Oh, thanks, Cara, for reading that for us. And do keep uh, do keep your Bibles open if you're sitting at home uh, at one John. And let me lead us in a prayer as we come to look at these words. Oh, Heavenly Father, as we gather as a church family in this unusual way, with all that's going on, would you help us to distinguish between duty and anxiety? And may our character as followers of Jesus and not our circumstances chiefly engage us as we listen to your words. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's, there's certain new phrases that almost as soon as they arrive, you know they're just going to embed in your thinking. And I reckon this year it's going to be social distancing. We're already feeling it as a, a church family. We're, we're feeling social distancing this morning. And it's not the first time a new phrase is stuck into popular thinking. Track back to 2017. And one of the U.S. presidential aides was asked if perhaps a lie had been told. And she responded by saying, no, not a lie. We were just presenting some alternative facts. It was the beginning of fake news. Now, this morning, we're coming to the end of this letter from John. And you'll remember, if you've been coming along to Christchurch these past few Sundays, he's been, he's been writing to a group of Christians who are sort of in danger of being pushed towards unhealthy social distancing. Not one that's intended to protect them. And no, this is one that will lead them into danger. And it's coming from some so-called leaders who've started teaching alternative facts about Jesus. And remember how John's described them. Back in chapter 4 and verse 1, he called them false prophets. Back in chapter 4, verse 20, he says they're liars. They're, they're people who deal in alternative facts. And, and John's been reminding them and us, look, I was an eyewitness of Jesus. I knew the real Jesus. He really is God's son. He, he came and lived a real life. He, he showed us that God is not socially distant. No, he likes people. He draws close to them. And this Jesus, he really did suffer and die on a cross, a, a death that was dealing with the consequences of our sin. And, and that tells us also the facts about what we're really like. We're sinful people who need a savior. But John's also giving the facts about what people who believe in Jesus, what they become. Uh, they start to want to obey God. Uh, they start to begin to love in, in a Christ-like way as they follow this Jesus. And now as he brings this letter to a close, he wants to encourage us. Reminders of facts we know that that will keep us going. Uh, and not just as socially close people, but as a, a spiritually close church family even this morning, sitting in different places. Look, here's what he says. Because we believe in Jesus, we know we have eternal life. Now, that's verse 13. Just look at it with me. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. It's a reminder, isn't it? Getting right with God, it... It's not something you can earn or deserve. Uh, you don't get it because you're intelligent. 
or good looking, not not because of anything you do, only because of something that Jesus has done. And and John says, look, believe in this Jesus as he is. You've got eternal life. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 14, if you if you look at that as well, it should have an and at the beginning. Here's what he says. And this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. And you get what John's saying. Because we believe in Jesus, we know we have eternal life and a God who answers our prayers. It's easy to get confused about being a Christian. We, we could kind of think of it this way, that the reason we go to God is in order to get forgiveness, or, or we come to God so that we can go to heaven. And you kind of understand that. It's just if you think too much that way, you could end up thinking of God as just a means to an end. But really, the Bible would have us think in a slightly different way. Not so much that we go to God to get forgiveness, but rather God grants forgiveness so that we can come to him and that heaven, the new creation, isn't really the goal that we're aiming for. No, instead, it's, you think about this way, it's actually the perfect context within which we'll live out this relationship with God and each other, without any distance. That's our hope as a church family, as Christians this morning, sitting in different places around the city. That, that's always been the hope of Christians down through the years, to be at home one day with God, without any distance. And, and while not perfect yet, that relationship with God, it starts now, it's real, and here's one part of it. The God of heaven listens and answers your prayers. And don't misunderstand John. He's, he's not saying God is somehow like a, a genie in a bottle at our beck and call. But he is saying he answers us positively as we pray, verse 14, according to his will. And that's good news for us. Things happen that make us realize our, our smallness, our weakness. And sometimes we feel, I'm not very good as a Christian. I've never done very much, and I'm going to be able to do much less now. And then John says, look, by the way, do you know, those of you who are teenagers, those of you who are having to stay at home on your own, those of you who are going to be schooling at home from now on for the next few months, when, when you're in your room later today, wondering what to do, God loves to listen to your prayers. More than that, John says, he loves to answer them. I mean, it would be something, wouldn't it? It would be something if, if one of the things, if one of the ways God used this situation we're in as a church family was to teach us how to pray more. So what do you think? What should we pray for? What kind of things come to mind? I don't know if you noticed what John thinks. It's there in verses 16 and 17. 
He says, if anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. It's one of those niddly verses that we've seen as we've gone through John's letter. What's a sin that doesn't lead to death? And what's a sin that does? Well, try and follow John's thinking for a moment. John thinks that the genuine Christians will struggle with sin. But there is sin that doesn't lead to death. You think, maybe ask it this way. What, what does John think will lead to eternal life? Well, it's believing in Jesus. So what would be the sin that leads to death? Well, it would be refusing to trust Jesus, this one who died for us. I think that begins to make a bit more sense. So Christians in our church family, Christians in your small groups, the, the leaders at church, they'll... They'll all struggle with sin, but God has committed through Jesus to giving them eternal life, and he loves answering our prayers. So so pray for each other that God will help us turn from sin and live out the life he's called us to. But for people who won't trust Jesus, look, there's no point praying for them as if they're just struggling Christians. No, that's not what we do with them. No, we need to tell them about this Jesus. But for us as a church family, look, pray for, pray for each other's spiritual health. Some of you working from home these next few weeks, worried how you cope with your housemates, with your family. Will they be squabbling? Living on your own, worried friends will forget you, let you down. Will these next few weeks show up some of our sin? Because I reckon it will. In all sorts of ways. And when we discover it, what's your first reflex? Will it be to be cross? To tell them off? Or will you hear what John says? Your heavenly father loves you. And he would love to answer your prayers for your friends for your kids, for your spouses, for yourself. As I've thought about this this week, I've wondered how many times I've been spared from some worse sin because people in the church family have prayed for me. And I reckon it's probably enough times to make me feel really ashamed and enough times to make me really grateful they've prayed for me that way. Because we believe in Jesus... We have eternal life and a God who answers our prayers. So pray for each other. But we're going to pause there just for a moment. A couple of questions are are going to come up. You might want to think about yourself. Uh, You might want to chat with people around the table. And families, you might want to have a look at what your children have been doing for the last few minutes. Uh, Have a go at that just now and then we'll get back together in a few minutes. Uh, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed chatting there. Children, I think you're just about to get underway with your second challenge. So, so go for that now. The, the rest of us, let's get back into to one John. Here's the second thing uh, to see what John's saying to us uh, this morning. He, he says as well, look, because we believe in Jesus, he keeps us safe from the evil one. Verse 18. Don't know if you ever think, well, Well, I managed to keep going as a Christian. 
I often feel I'm holding on by the skin of my teeth and I don't even have that many teeth left. And, and that's even before I think about an enemy who, who wants to drag me down. John describes him there in verse 18. It says he's the evil one. The Bible's clear that this material world that we can touch and taste, it, it's not all there is. There is a, a spiritual realm that, that can't be measured by science, but it does influence. And there is evil, an enemy of God who wants to get us rejecting God. But, but John says, look, if you're someone, if you're someone this morning who, who believes in Jesus, you've been born of God. And you won't continue to sin. What does he mean by that? Well, he can't mean, can he? He can't mean that Christians won't ever sin. Because he he keeps telling us that we will do. We'll struggle in that way in all sorts of times. What he means is, look, genuine Christians won't display a persistent attitude of refusing God's rule and forgiveness in Jesus. When you do something wrong, he's saying, if you're a Christian, there'll come a point where you say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up again. And please would you forgive me through Jesus and help me to trust you more. And he's saying, and don't think when that happens, it's because you're some kind of amazingly sensitive spiritual Christian. No, the reason is verse 18. The one born of God keeps him safe and the evil one cannot harm him. John's saying, look, when you trusted Jesus, God gave you eternal life. A new life was born in you. Verse 18, you were, you were born of God so that even as you struggle at times, you're starting to say yes to God. That's the reason you'll keep going as a Christian. It's not because... You've changed and taken hold of Jesus. And no, it's the other way around. It's because Jesus has taken hold and changed you. Because we believe in Jesus, he keeps us safe from the evil one. Now, that's terrifically reassuring. These next few months, whatever they're going to hold for us, you can be confident, not in yourself, but in Jesus. I often find myself thinking, like, I wish I lived for Jesus more. And if you do, I think John would say, I'm really glad. Because we believe in Jesus, he keeps us safe from the evil one. And he teaches us how to live free. Uh, Just look at verse 19. We know that we are the children of God and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. He's saying, look, there's a, there's a spiritual battle going on, but, but Jesus has started to demolish the work of the evil one. He's paid the penalty for sin. He's, he's able to give us new life. And, and how does he spread that work? Verse 20. The Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So how does Satan wage war against people? Does he have strange spiritual powers? Well, possibly. But his main weapon is far more ordinary. 
it's alternative facts. He lies to people about Jesus to spiritually distance them from God and, and relationally distance them from a church family. He, he lies about God, says he's mean and a tyrant. He lies about the consequences of ignoring God. So what's the great spiritual weapon Jesus uses to fight so we can live free? Well, the way to deal with lies is with the truth. Verse 20. The Son of God has come and given us understanding. See, those of you in grafted pathfinders, do you want the facts about God? Well, then... Look to Jesus and see God's grace and compassion. Those of you who are are making a success of your career, your work, do you want the facts about yourself? Well, then look to Jesus and see that we're sinners needing a savior and we're loved by a God who does save us. Those facing challenges. Do you want the facts about living God's way? Well, Well, look to Jesus and follow him. And see, how are we to live for God? How are we to live free? Uh, Coronavirus will will constrain us. We we will struggle with sin. So so listen to his word together and get to know Jesus. It, It kind of makes sense of the very last line. You see verse 21? Dear children, Keep yourselves from idols. I guess he could have said, look, dear children, keep yourselves from alternative facts. Keep yourself from trusting a fake news Jesus who doesn't love you, can't save you, won't help you. A kind of Jesus that's not the glorious son of God who by sheer grace and compassion died to save sinners and give them confident joy whatever else is happening. Because we believe in Jesus, we have eternal life and a God who listens to us. So over these weeks, pray for each other. Because we believe in Jesus, we have eternal life and a God who, because we believe in Jesus, uh, he keeps us safe from the evil one. And teaches us to live free. So listen to his word. I'm going to stop there. Uh, There's a couple more questions that are going to come up uh, on the screen. And not for you to talk about uh, now, but maybe just to to jot them down and and think about later. And once you've done that, Matt is going to come and lead us in, in our final hymn of praise to God.